If you're pregnant, you and your baby could get seriously ill if you're not vaccinated against COVID-19 and flu. You can have both jabs at the same time and at any stage of your pregnancy. They'll protect you both now and for the first few months after your child is born. Don't delay. Double your defences. Get vaccinated. Get protected. Go to nhs.uk to find out more. This is our People podcast telling the stories behind South Tyneside and Sunderland NHS Foundation Trust. Hi and welcome to this episode of Our People podcast. I'm your host, Harry Newhouse, and I'm a PR and social media assistant here at the Trust. On this week's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking to organisational and leadership development practitioner, Jill Duncan. Welcome to the podcast, Jill. Hi, Harry. Um, so, Jill, uh, please could you tell me, uh, tell us a bit about what you do and your role as organisational and leadership development practitioner? Thanks, Harry. So, uh, organisational development is all about improving the effectiveness of whole organisations. And that could be through improving its processes, uh, its systems, and also supporting the development of its staff. So my job involves me working with staff at all levels across the trust and in all different disciplines as well. Um, My role as a practitioner involves consultancy, design, development and implementation of a range of support and improvement interventions and that could be at individual, team, department or service level or whole organisational level as well. We use many, many tools to achieve that as well. So we use things like action learning sets, we use um, the facilitation of maybe bespoke away days, development sessions for particular groups, we use coaching, mentoring, We also use things called psychometric instruments. So you might be familiar with those, the likes of MBTI and Insights. We also use them to support staff and teams and again, the whole organisation. We're here today to talk about uh, the staff network group uh, that you chair, which is called Positive Health. Would you like to talk a bit about the group and explain what the aim of it is? Absolutely. So the Positive Health Network is for any member of staff who's employed by SDSFT with a long-term health condition and that could be either physical or mental which impacts their daily lives. This could be a condition which is either temporary or progressive or degenerative or maybe something that they've just acquired while they've been in work or it may be a lifelong condition that they've had. The group's membership is made up of uh, members of staff all who have some kind of long-term health conditions and it's fantastically supported by Philippa and Jake in our ED and I team. We couldn't do it without those guys. The aim of the group is that it's a supportive and a welcoming space where people with long-term conditions can learn about what workplace or even non-workplace support is available to them. They have a chance to come and receive and share information and talk about their um, experiences of living with a long-term health condition with other people who kind of get it because we all have shared experiences. 
I'd like to think that the group is a place as well where members can feel empowered to kind of bring forward ideas um, for workplace improvements, anything that's going to make things easier and uh, for those who have a long-term health condition. And I guess as a collective, work towards normalising the conversation around uh, disability, long-term health conditions and the challenges faced by those with those health conditions. And I guess perhaps bust a few myths about those conditions as well and improve their own and others' understanding of what it's like to live with those conditions. What made you want to become chair of the group? Uh, for me, it was my own diagnosis. Um, I haven't, I wasn't born with my health condition. It was something I acquired while I was working. Um, and I was recently diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Um, and I'll freely admit at the time of my diagnosis, I didn't know what that meant. My understanding of arthritis was probably very, very limited. To me, my perception was it was just age-related wear and tear on new joints. But I felt that, you know, being age-related, or so I thought, I was too young for that to be happening to. I was in my kind of late 40s. However, once I had my diagnosis and then my rheumatologist went on to explain further what it was and what it meant... That was really quite shocking and uh, I knew then that my life was going to be profoundly different from that point on. So how does it affect your day-to-day life? Well, in terms of rheumatoid arthritis and what it is, that first initial diagnosis and conversation with my uh, rheumatologist helped me understand exactly what it was I was dealing with. So rheumatoid arthritis is called an autoimmune inflammatory disease. So What that means is your immune system, which would normally protect your body from uh, infection by attacking any infection, it's your immune system starts attacking the healthy cells in your body. So it kind of goes into overdrive. So it starts attacking your healthy cells by mistake. Now, the result of that is it causes pain and swelling um, in your joints The most notable is kind of your hands and your feet, but it does affect your entire body, not just specific parts of your body. And it doesn't just affect your joints either. Other organs are uh, affected too. So your lungs, for example, uh, are vulnerable and it can affect your eyes. Your eyes can get really dry. And other side effects are things like chronic fatigue. Um, So particularly when your inflammation has escalated, the tiredness gets worse. Um, Now, there's no cure for it. It's classed as a degenerative disease. That means it will get progressively worse over time. That said, um, it can be managed with medication and quite effectively as well. So the medication and treatments available can slow down the progression of the disease. So you can live your life and remain active for a lot longer. Another aspect of the treatment and generally most of the medications you take suppress your immune system. That's how your disease is managed. Um, But that also can mean you're more prone to infection. So you have less immune response. Most of the time my disease is managed with my medication and anybody out there who's also experienced this will know getting your medication right with RA is trial and error. Um, It can take a few months, it can take years to get it right, but luckily I'm there. So it's managed with medication. By and large, that means life is livable. It's it's 
The pain never goes away, but you can manage. One aspect of rheumatoid arthritis is what you call flare-ups. So it means that if by and large your disease is managed, that's fine. But from time to time, you can see a profound escalation in the inflammation and the pain and the stiffness. And it can be very unpredictable. You can go to bed feeling fine one night and then not be able to get up the next day because you you can't move. The way, the, the way I describe it is the Wizard of Oz, the Tin Man before he finds the oil. Um, a a flare-up can be like the Tin Man, you know, where you just seize up um, and you can't move very, very easily. So that just means for a brief time your medication can't manage it as well as it normally would. So yes, um, in terms of how it affects my life, all of the normal ways in which I live my life and things that I took for granted became either incredibly difficult or impossible. Um, Driving, for example, um, changing gear and using the clutch became so painful and it was very difficult to do. Getting dressed, for example, even something as simple as washing your hair um, because you can't put pressure on your hands because of the pain so you can't kind of push down to wash your hair. Doing up buttons and zips because your dexterity goes mm-hmm. makes it very difficult and it can take three times longer. Walking can be difficult. Holding a knife and fork becomes very problematic. So as I say, it, you know, it can be very unpredictable. And another kind of impact of that is if, like me, you uh, like to live your life in a very organised and structured way, that unpredictability kind of throws that into uh, chaos. And it's it's very difficult to plan days out, plan nights out, socialise, you know, go on holidays and things like that, because the night before, the day before, the hour before, you could have a flare-up and then everything has to change. So that's another way in which it makes life very, very challenging. How long ago was it since you were diagnosed and... How did you only find out that you were diagnosed? Like, did, did you just feel something was wrong? Mm-hmm. I, I was diagnosed three years ago, just over three years ago. And it was just after I started working here at the Trust. And yes, it was, for me, quite gradual. Um, I noticed um, a stiffness in my feet when I had my heeled shoes on during the day. And when I took my shoes off at the end of the day, the the pain and the stiffness was beyond the normal you would experience for maybe half an hour. Ladies will understand what I mean by half an hour, a bit of stiffness when you take your heels off. But this was going on and on and on. Um, and it got to the point where I stopped wearing heels altogether and I just had flat shoes on. And then I was finding that at the end of the day's typing, my hands were quite swollen. At one point, it looked like I had a boxing glove. Um, my knuckles were just one knuckle at the top it was just all a bit um, swollen and puffy and I was spoke to my line manager was very lucky got referred to physio physio said actually it's not we don't think it's purely mechanical Um, and I was referred to hand therapy and after a while the hand therapy wasn't working and my therapist said actually I don't think it's osteoarthritis which could be the age-related wear and tear I think maybe something else is is needed so, yeah, it was just a gradual, I would say, over about three months. And I was diagnosed in February 2020. Yeah. We've mentioned a bit there already, but how has it really affected you, your role? At the, uh, mm-hmm. Like, does it mean that you have to work at home more often? Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
you mentioned about the unpredictability there. They do you have days where all of a sudden you just can't come into the office when you're supposed to? And Absolutely, all of those things. And the disease itself is challenging enough, but when it makes such um, hard work of everyday normal tasks, and also if your, your mindset has to change, that's another hurdle and another challenge that you have to deal with. So, yeah, in terms of how it affected my role here in the Trust, driving was a biggie because I live 40 miles away from work. So on a normal day, I could spend over an hour in the car in either direction. So when I was constantly changing gear and the clutch and the, the you know left arm was going, that became more and more and more difficult. So one of the ways I dealt with that was switch to an automatic, which has made a massive difference, which is great. But things like typing and writing is still, even though my disease is under what I would class as under control now, writing is still incredibly challenging. If I'm in a meeting, um, I'll often ask if I can record the meeting or Teams is great because a lot of meetings get recorded, which is great for me because then I can go in and make sure that I haven't missed anything because... I'll get halfway through an hour meeting and then I can't write anymore. So there's potential I'm going to miss a lot of stuff that comes out of those those meetings that I would take notes about. Um, Typing-wise, I've learned to use voice recognition software because that was very, very difficult. Sometimes in my job, I, you know, I mentioned earlier on, I might be delivering bespoke training sessions. Some of those might last a day. So I'm on my feet potentially from 8 o'clock when I go in till 5 o'clock when that's finished. That became virtually impossible because of the pain in my feet, certainly the pain in my hips. Sometimes I have to use a stick to balance my, my weight out to make uh, to enable me to stay on my feet a little bit longer and be a bit mobile. I don't always need that. But yeah, I mean, things like lifting my training kit, lifting a flip chart up to hang it up on the easel is very, very difficult. Apart from the mechanical and the physical difficulties, the chronic fatigue can be dreadful. Um, that's potentially where I can also maybe have to change my working pattern where I might have been due to coming to the office and either the mechanics of my, my skeleton won't allow me to drive or the fatigue means that if I'm behind the wheel of a car, I'm a liability if I'm too tired to drive. Then I have the flexibility of adapting my working week, which is brilliant and is a huge help. I can't overstate that. That's a huge help. The other thing to deal with, if I guess, and many other people might experience this as well, is sometimes it's not the disease that causes the problems, it's some of the side effects, and I mentioned chronic fatigue earlier on. And sometimes, I guess, my concern was if I'm working from home because I'm too tired to drive, or if I physically can't pick something up or move something around, and I ask for help all of the time, could you move this, could you help me with this? I worried, did people think I was being lazy? Did people think that, you know, I was not pulling my weight? Um, so I had some difficulty with that kind of mindset. It's it's lots better now. Or sometimes all you have to do is just say, look, I've got this condition and people are great. People are great and they're more than willing to help. I suppose that's why the Positive Health Group is really important because there's lots of people out there so like suffering with that sort of Absolutely. thing as well where they don't know how to go about like telling someone that they might not be able to do this so that's Absolutely. why 
the positive health group is such beneficial for our staff. Absolutely. And my from my personal experience, I think the real value of the group was, like you said, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, um, many people will have lived with these conditions for a long, long time, but many others will also have been diagnosed while they've been at work or during their working life. And it's meant a profound change for them in many, many different ways. But as I say, and I'm sure there are many other colleagues across the trust, you know, who are facing a myriad of different challenges, workplace or non-workplace challenges as a consequence of living with that long-term health condition. So I think that the group is a, a really good place to kind of Uh, talk about your experiences and share what those challenges are but also get some advice and tap into that expertise all of the experiences because you can guarantee many of the people around the table that you're talking to will have faced some the same or similar challenges and they can talk to about you talk to you about how to get around some of those challenges deal with some of those difficulties so it's a great place to tap into all of that knowledge and all of that expertise And from my point of view, I've learned so much by sitting around the table and talking to people who have had longer experience of those long-term health conditions. It's been a a wealth of information for me, certainly. And I bet it's built your confidence up. Well, certainly other people in the group, it's built their confidence up, Mm. uh, sort of come out and say they've got this disability. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, and it's... From what I've heard, it's just a really good group. And I get why people are reluctant to talk about it. If I'm honest with you, I would never have classed myself as having a a disability, let's say that in inverted commas. Um, I did have a long-term health condition, that's a fact, no getting away from that. But I would not have classed myself as somebody with a disability. And I didn't for at least a year. To be honest, that hadn't even entered my head. For me, it was just trying to get my head around what this change means for me. And for many people, just getting that diagnosis, that's as big of an uphill climb as you can probably manage at that point. It's when things start to settle down and you kind of get used to what it means and you've started to reconcile and you've started to make sense of it all in your head that other things start to uh, become more important. And for me, that more important thing was understanding. And I googled the life out of uh, RA and rheumatoid arthritis to try and get my head around what it meant because it needed to make sense to me Um, before I could start talking to other people about it. And it was about at that point where I started getting involved in the, the Positive Health Network. And... I already thought that I knew a fair amount about kind of, you know, living with a long-term health condition, what that meant legally and otherwise, what support was out there until I met with the group. And I thought, Craigie, I really knew nothing. I I needed to have those conversations. They were invaluable. As you mentioned, you were diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis when you started to work in here at the Trust. Mm. Um, How did the Trust help with your diagnosis? The trust have been fabulous. I've had a ton of help. So, first of all, I mean, the help really started with my line manager, who was amazing. Um, Not only that, my colleagues, my immediate team um, in the OD team were brilliant. 
uh, I think they kind of learned as much as I did as I was learning about it and I was trying to share information with them and get across to them just how different my life was going to be. What I was so preoccupied with was if this is such a profound change for me, this shouldn't impact you guys in any way. So I was still trying to keep up with my normal, you know, uh, day-to-day activities and even if I was in profound pain, chronic pain, trying to minimise and diminish that pain because I didn't want them to feel like I wasn't going to be pulling my weight or anything like that, I needn't have worried because they couldn't have been more understanding and more helpful. I was able to have conversations with them as a team but also individual conversations and I always had the support of my manager um, just there to guide me, just to give me a different perspective. I thought, you know, perhaps when... I was finding things particularly challenging and was maybe in danger of going down the rabbit hole and into a spiral of negativity around it would just be there to provide that kind of that different perspective and that was really really appreciated um, and very welcome but in terms of you know beyond the wider team my manager ensured that I got the help that I needed so I got a referral to occupational health was able to speak to a couple of really amazing occupational health therapists who you know just listened and were able to kind of help me um, with my manager talk about reasonable adjustments and what would help me and reasonable adjustments are there just to support you and enable you to carry on working you know it's very much a kind of there's all sorts of different strands. You're working with your rheumatologist or your health professional and you're sorting your medication out and then you're, you're talking to your manager and you're talking to occupational health. All of those different strands are there to help and support you and it's about getting the right access to those. And they're there. It's just a question of having that conversation. They're already there. They're just waiting to be there to help people. So my reasonable adjustments were put in place they are reviewed as and when necessary because like any long-term condition, once you've got it, it doesn't stay the same. It changes and it evolves and um, your, your disease or your, your, your condition will progress over time. So, of course, it makes sense that your adjustments need to be reviewed and they need to adjust over time as well. So a lot of things were put in place to help me be um, more comfortable while I'm in the office, to help me be more productive, to still continue making a contribution to the team and doing my work that I'm, I'm, I'm paid to do. And they've been absolutely essential, the, the reasonable adjustments in helping me carry on working through the flare-ups where... If they weren't in place, then I might have had to have taken time away from work, had time off sick, which doesn't sit well with me. They've been invaluable in helping me carry on. But just having access to those conversations has made a massive difference. I would say to anybody listening to the podcast, you know, it, it might be a difficult conversation. That initial conversation, if you haven't disclosed that you have a, a long-term health condition... Um, that it's having an impact on your day-to-day life please just have the first conversation because then it opens up so access to so much more help and support than you might have the slightest inkling might be out there it definitely is out there just have the first conversation 
not too long ago, uh, you attended a disability summit. Mm. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Yes. So the, I was really lucky to be able to attend the disability summit. Um, and it was run in partnership with NHS and there was a lot of NHS staff uh, there. But there was various other organisations who support people with disabilities and long-term health conditions who were showcasing a lot of the... Um, um, innovations that had and the progress that had been made um, in terms of support and the technology um, and the kind of collaborative working that had been going on that is there to support people with disabilities and long-term health conditions for me the first it was the first time I'd attended anything like that and I can honestly say it was eye-opening um, it was humbling when you heard others stories and heard people sharing their experiences um, and it was inspiring as well so I came away from that summit with a kind of renewed sense of purpose I guess in terms of how we can forward um, the and enhance the narrative around people with supporting people with long-term health conditions across the trust for all staff with any kind of long-term health condition. I took away some really good ideas which I had shared with the group around, we were talking just there about reasonable adjustments, well there's a, something uh, that other trusts have adopted called workplace passports which can record your reasonable adjustments and it means they go with you wherever you go, not just within the trust but if you decide to move outside the trust the passport will go with you and it means that you know the there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to reasonable adjustments, so your specific needs can be recorded in this passport and then shared, and then whoever you're working with just knows what your particular needs are. It makes a difference to, to people with long-term health conditions. There were many, many other different seminars and workshops that I attended um, that gave me a lot of ideas around providing those supports. And I guess, for me, I think the key takeaway, and I'd never really heard this before, um, the key takeaway message that sticks with me, and I'm going to kind of try and quote it, it might not be verbatim, but in many, many cases, um, a person's condition or, or long-term health condition or their disability is not necessarily what disables them. It's the environment within which they operate and within which they function. So someone was relayed to us that, um, I f if I remember rightly, they'd been involved in, a, in an accident and were now wheelchair, a wheelchair user. And the building that they were in had no ramps, had no automatic doors. The doors opened outwards, so that's very difficult for somebody in a wheelchair to pull a door towards them and then kind of get in through a building. Keypads were too high up on the wall, making it impossible for the person to reach. So the person in the wheelchair could live their lives as actively as they wanted to if it wasn't for the fact that, the, say for example, their workplace disabled them. They were confined to a particular corridor, a particular room. So that was a really profound message that I took away from that disability summit. It's not the person's condition necessarily that disables them, it's the environment that disables them. Finally, how can the staff get involved if they want to join um, the Positive Health I would say the more the merrier. Um, we love to see new members and new faces around the table. We meet every couple of months 
We're, at the moment, most of the meetings are uh, via Teams, and that was out of necessity, of course. Um, but now that various restrictions have lifted, um, we're trying to get more people in a room, around a table. We're trying to maybe meet more socially, create more social events, just because it happens in workplace time or it happens, you know, during working hours. That doesn't mean to say that, you know, it's we talk about work all the time. That's not the case. If anybody's got any ideas about, you know, uh, when we can meet and where we can meet and what would work best for, for many people, we'd love to hear those ideas. If you are interested in becoming a member of the group, we have a dedicated email address and an email inbox. So the email address is stsft.positivehealth, that's all one word, lowercase, dot staff network, again, all one word, at nhs.net. That's stsft.positivehealth.staffnetwork at nhs.net. Thank you very much, Jill, for uh, coming to talk to me today about positive health and also discussing your own personal experience. We hope everyone's enjoyed listening to that. And once again, thank you. Thanks very much for the opportunity, Harry. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Our People Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Check out our other stories. Hit subscribe to keep up with the latest and catch up with what we've been up to on our Twitter, Facebook and Instagram pages. Just search for our name.